Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? It is Andy here bringing you the podcast that gets to know the hikers behind the trekking poles, the podcast that asks the why questions of hiking, the podcast that takes me, Andy, a relatively new hiker, and asks hikers, how has hiking changed them and how are they changing the world around them? You, of course, are listening to the Hiker Podcast. The Hiker Podcast is brought to you by Patreons like you, Can Knock Outdoors, and CS Instant Coffee. For all the information on our wonderful sponsors and how... um you can help us by buying stuff from them or becoming a Patreon yourself. Go to the description of this episode. I'll talk a little bit more about them at the end of the show, but thank you to Kanak Outdoors and CS Instant Coffee, especially for being so awesome and our wonderful Patreons for month in and month out, helping me be able to take a little more time on this show. And uh, yeah, you all are awesome. If you want to know more about Tiger Podcast, go to hikerpodcast.com and all the information's there. Also, if you want to know more about me, Andy, go to andynealproductions.com or uh, just go to my Instagram. It's really the best place to go. Um, at Andy Films and Hikes. Hope you all are having a great fall season. November is here. The temperatures are finally getting down. We got snow in some places around the, the northern hemisphere. I know some of our Australian and New Zealand and, and other parts of the world listeners may not be having snow right now. And that's okay. Um, but I am super excited about our next guests. Josh and Jenny are representatives from Trail Keepers of Oregon. This is an organization that helps maintain the trails here in the great state of Oregon. Because you see these wonderful trails that we as hikers enjoy and love to hike on. They, they're just not some magic elves out there who just clean them up and make them pretty for us. No, you know what? They're hikers like you and me who take their time and their money and they maintain these trails. They clear off brush and debris and uh, had an opportunity to talk with trail keepers of Oregon. And uh, they're such an amazing organization. Um, and I wanted to highlight them on the show. And you may be saying, Andy, I live in Vermont. I don't care about what happens in Oregon. You know what? I hear you. I understand. But here's the deal. Trail maintenance happens all over the world. So whether you're here in Oregon or you're in Vermont or in you know Spain or New Zealand, trail maintenance has to happen. And my hope is by highlighting trail keepers of Oregon, not only are we encouraging those who hike in Oregon, many of you who don't live here have hiked or are planning to hike through Oregon to help support trail keepers of Oregon, but also if you're maybe living in Vermont, Find a trail organization that helps maintain trails where you are and get involved there. So super excited. Jenny and Josh are amazing. And uh, without any further ado, my conversation with Jenny and Josh of Trail Keepers of Oregon. So as many of you may have noticed, um, getting out on the trails during this time of COVID, there may be a, a little 
a little less maintenance going on where you are in, in the world and in the country because of COVID restrictions, trail maintenance crews haven't been able to go out. But they're ramping back up now, and it's so great to see that as I'm going out on trails here in Oregon, I'm, I'm seeing these beautiful, maintained and curated trails, and that just doesn't happen. Mother Nature just doesn't do that. So I'm so excited to have Josh and Ginny from Trail Keepers of Oregon on this show. How are you all doing today, guys? I'm great, Andy. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, I'm um, great, too, Andy. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you so much, Josh, for coming on the show and just uh, talking about what you guys do. First of all, let's let's um, hear about what is Trail Keepers of Oregon. Jenny, can you just give us a rundown of what is Trail Keepers of Oregon and what do you all do? Sure, absolutely. So Trail Keepers of Oregon, as the name sort of implies, is a an organization that is keeping the trails in good shape in Oregon. So we um, have a variety of different activities, work in lots of different areas of the state uh, to do trail maintenance, to advocate for trails, to help folks get uh, clearer on what's going on with the trails so that they can go out and enjoy uh, Mother Nature's bounty. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I would add to that that we are a, a volunteer-based organization. Um, we've got a very small, dedicated staff to help coordinate with our land manager partners, but the overwhelming amount of stewardship is performed by people who come out and interact with us on a purely volunteer basis. So can you guys give us a rundown of just how you guys got involved with Trail Keepers of Oregon and who you are, where you come from, and how you got into the outdoors? Josh, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an Oregon native. Um, I grew up, you know, going to Mount Hood, going out in the gorge, interacting with all of these uh, treasured wild spaces. Um, and, you know, as a native, I think that I had a bit of uh, complacency. I took it for granted a bit and I left state uh, for a while. I came back and really got a new appreciation as an adult for our wild spaces, for our trails. Um, as I started to hike more and engage in more outdoor activities, I was using a website called OregonHikers.org, which is a website that Trail Keepers of Oregon owns and manages and has a wealth of information about uh, trails to hike, areas to hike in, descriptions of the hike, the length, uh, gives you a really good idea, prepares you for what you're going to face. Um, and on that website, trail keepers would post about their work parties frequently. And after I had been hiking for a while, um, you know, I was in a spot where I was ready to do something positive and really give back to this space that I know and love. Uh, and, and so I started volunteering with TKO in January of 2017, I believe, uh, and really just fell in love with the work and with the people the, that came out and volunteered. Very cool. And Ginny, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm originally from Northern California, actually, uh, the Redwoods. But when I was growing up, I didn't do a lot of outdoor activities. My dad actually worked in the woods. And I think on our on our free time, we maybe did a little camping, but that was about it. Um, but I came to Oregon for college and have been now in Oregon for over 20 years um, and probably got into hiking in my mid-20s or so, just sort of was looking for something different to do that would get me out of town. Um, but Trail Keepers as an organization is actually pretty new to me. So I started volunteering in March of this year. 
kind of like maybe the COVID cabin fever thing that was happening and was was looking for a way to feel useful um, and, and also just looking for a way to, to meet some new folks and um, get outside in a way that felt sort of safe in the context of COVID. Um, so I signed up for a few shifts in March once things were kind of opening back up again and the weather was not too horrible and pretty quickly became addicted. <laughs> um, I know I was out with Josh the first few times and got the chance to use a crosscut saw, got the chance to sort of just learn a ton. And I, I really love the, the combination of sort of, hey, I'm doing something useful. Hey, I'm making this accessible for uh, folks to come out and hike on trails that maybe were looking pretty crummy. And, you know, also just there's like this little intellectual piece that where you're learning about the hydrology on the trail or, you know, how the tread needs to be. And I think for me, that was all just kind of a perfect combination once you threw on the community uh, bit and, you know, all the great people that also are getting out there doing that volunteer work. So trail maintenance doesn't just happen. I think it's really <laughs> easy for all of us who, who use these trails, whether it's, you know, local trail within your, your own county municipality that's maintained by the city or county, or it's the Pacific Crest Trail or Oregon Coast Trail or any, any trails that are around you. This doesn't happen. People, um, they have to work to maintain it. And that's done by volunteers. What would you say to someone who says, well, these are public lands. I shouldn't have to, to volunteer to maintain this. I should be able to do whatever I want with them because my tax dollars are, are paying to clean this up. Um, why is that not true? And why is it important for people who utilize these public lands to be a part of helping maintain them? Josh, let's start with you. Yeah, um, you know, I would I would start with noting that that there is maintenance performed by the land management agencies, be it Bureau of Land Management, be it Forest Service, be it state parks. They engage in it to a level that they have the capacity for. And unfortunately, the way the funding works for these various organizations, uh, the Oregon State Parks, for instance, doesn't actually collect tax revenue. They're funded largely by lottery funds, which is not a set amount that fluctuates. Um, and, the, you know, the Forest Service budget more and more has to go towards fire uh, fighting um, as we face an increased challenge during wildfire season. Um, but they are out there doing what they can, but they, they just can't manage it all. We've got, particularly in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon, we've got really vast and robust um, trail systems. And there just isn't enough funding on the land manager side to for them to handle it all. Uh, and as, as a user base who appreciates the bounty that we have been given in terms of recreation opportunities, um, I think that it is important and satisfying to be a part of maintaining that legacy. Yeah, I'd love to piggyback on that a little bit, sort of setting aside the who's doing the, the trail maintenance piece a bit and say that it's also just really interesting and rewarding to have an understanding of how trails come together and to see how much work goes into them. So, you know, even if there were a lot more funding or a lot more support from some of these land managers to do this work, I would still encourage people to get out and do some trail work because I think it leads to you thinking differently when you're out on a hike and not doing that work and having even a greater appreciation for 
you know, the folks who may have originally put trail systems in um, for, you know, the, the valuable resource that we have uh, in Oregon and elsewhere for trails. Yeah, we've got a we've got something we call trail eyes that you develop as you volunteer more for this kind of work. Uh, you start to understand what a sustainable trail looks like, what a maintained trail looks like. You start to understand why is this mud puddle in the middle of the trail? Why is the grade of this trail so steep? What might we be able to do to mitigate these things? And it can really uh, enhance your hiking experience with a, a little more robust understanding of the way that our trails um, interact with our surroundings. Let's talk a little bit about that, having having trail eyes. Um, I think for some of us who maybe who've never done trail maintenance, we just think, oh, it's clearing out the blowouts and taking a rake and getting some of the, the fall and winter debris off the trail. Um, but you're right, there, there, there's, there's much more to that. What does a sustainable and main tra- maintained trail look like? And what is it that you guys do when you get out there? I mean, it's, it's got to be more than just taking a chainsaw and, and clearing out the blowouts. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, Ginny earlier mentioned hydrology. And one of the biggest challenges that you face in trail maintenance is what to do with water. Um, if you If you don't manage the way that water interacts with your trail, you're creating a trail that is going to be more prone to erosion issues. Um, You're creating a trail that is going to pick up sediment and move it and place it typically into a drainage. Uh, And that's something that, you know, a lot of like fish conservation folks are really concerned about how silty our waterways are at any given point. Um, And when you have, like water is just such a big thing uh, in terms of trail maintenance. And so you have to, you have to take this piece of land that people want to interact with comfortably, be able to walk on, have it clear of debris and install plan and maintain it in such a way that it um, sheds water readily. That's our, one of our biggest goals in trail, in trail maintenance, aside from a clear navigable trail corridor is managing the interaction with water and so that includes oh yeah go ahead jenny (laughs) no i was just gonna say i think this is a great sort of place to plug one of the things that's been great for me about tko and that is the um learning opportunities like so we have different classes and things like that and i've as a person who's new to trail maintenance who's like a sponge and 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 trying to to soak in all this information uh we did a drain lab workshop a few weeks ago uh that josh and susan um, who's another staff member at TKO led. And it was an incredibly rainy day. And we got the chance to actually go out on the trail and, and sort of see, gosh, what does happen when there's a lot of water and, you know, what could we do on this trail? And just even doing some tiny little changes to, to how things were looking and how some of the drains were working or, or, um, you know, talking about other potential solutions really was, useful and helpful. And I think there's a lot of stuff that we do in different types of areas and different types of trail maintenance where, um, you know, folks get the chance to learn and understand that more so that now when I'm out somewhere and I see something that's going on on a trail, it's going to be easier for me to raise the red flag, you know, potentially sort of say to, uh, to trail keepers, Hey, I noticed when I was out hiking, doing this, um, this hike just on my own time that there, there's an opportunity here for us to maybe make this trail last longer by putting in a drain or something like that. So that educational piece, I think is something that also makes TKO pretty welcoming as an organization. Um, because you don't, you don't feel 
stupid or silly when you show up. There's always this like atmosphere of learning and development. And I don't know. I just think that's, that's something that makes TKO really great. Why is trail made? Oh, as people, you're out on the trails, you're, you're, you're hikers. And then you're, you're doing this work with, with trail keepers of Oregon. What are some of the biggest human cause issues that you find while doing trail maintenance human caused damage to trails that are very preventable that maybe people just don't know like hey i'm doing this and it's actually causing damage to the trail and to the these public lands around the trail jenny let's start with you yeah i mean i think a big one actually does relate to this conversation we're having about water which is if a trail isn't super well maintained and there's a big puddle of water in the middle people have a tendency to want to avoid that water and so they end up kind of walking around it, maybe onto some fragile vegetation, or, you know, maybe they walk on the edge of the trail. And so then they start to kind of push some of the trail down and the the actual trail surface available to walk then becomes less. So yeah, that's kind of the first one that comes, I'm sure Josh has some other examples, but that's one of the first one that comes to mind for me. It's just people kind of cutting around when, when there's water in the trail. That was absolutely one of the first things that sprang to mind for me too, Ginny. Another thing um, that we see a lot of that can be very detrimental to sustainability and to to good functioning drainage um, are switchback cuts and other user-created trails. Yes, (laughs) so much of that. Man, uh, that is there. It's very hard to decommission those in such a way that actually keeps people off of them. It's, I don't know, it's a wild instinct folks have where they just want to get from, you know, A to B, quick, straight line. Um, but that's really, it's incredibly detrimental and not to mention really unsightly. Um, there's nothing more. It, it really is frustrating as, as someone who engages in a lot of trail maintenance uh, and trail construction to come out to like a beautifully planned installed trail and have these really gnarly cuts um, just really coming across these purpose-built lines. There's an art, you know, to trail design uh, that, you know, these things like this, they, they sort of, they're, they're poor on an aesthetic scale as well as on an actual sustainable uh, angle. And speaking of aesthetics, I guess I'll just bring up the dog poop bag. <laughs> you oh, know, man. I mean, I feel like that's an area now where um, folks are maybe letting their their guard down a little bit and could be doing... I don't know, being a little bit more responsible when it comes to keeping those bags in your pack, you know, get a, a Pringles can or a tennis ball can or something and take that with you instead of leaving it on the side of the trail. Cause you might forget it and other folks might step in it. Um, and you know, who knows what's, what's happened in that bag anyways, we don't want that out um, disturbing our native plants and things of that sort. And, you know, Jenny, that makes me think of one that I don't think people actually consider that much. And that is helium-filled mylar balloons. Those things seem to invariably float into the middle of the woods and land, and then you've got shiny mylar plastic hanging from a tree. Uh, The the number of mylar balloons I've collected over the years out in the woods truly astounds me. And um, I'd, I'd love to see a little more awareness around that issue. And 
as someone who, who who loves hiking in the outdoors, um, on some of the longer trails in Oregon's one that you're gonna it's not just a, a day a day hike, it's it's an actual backpacking, it's an overnight. Um, what are some things you all run into um at, at places where hikers and backpackers decide to camp overnight? That's a great question. I mean, I think one thing to bring up is the the concept of leave no trace, um, which can show up in lots of lots of different ways, but one is certainly um, human waste management. So what are you doing when you need to take care of your business? And, you know, are you packing out your toilet paper? Um, do you have a plan to, to bury, um, any solid waste or, or even pack that out with you, especially in those kind of more sensitive Alpine areas? Um, I also think another, another good one to remember is just where you actually set up your tent. So are you avoiding super sensitive, uh, meadow type areas? Are you using established campsites all of those sorts of things, I mean, are going to help us keep those areas more pristine for longer amounts of time. So if someone was to volunteer at Trail Keepers of Oregon or you know, any other trail, or, trail maintenance organizations that are all over the country and all over North America, what would someone from, from – yeah, I know you can only speak for Trail Keepers of Oregon – what would someone expect? They get they get to a trailhead. They're going to start doing this trail maintenance. They've never done it before. What can someone expect to do and learn working on a trail maintenance crew for the first time? Well, Josh, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, we um, we really try to adhere to the concept that every trail party is someone's first trail party. We have a lot of folks that come out and engage with us on a repeat basis. A lot of very familiar faces. Um, you know, Jenny, like she, like she said, she started uh, volunteering with us in March and I've seen her every week or every other week since then. Very dedicated volunteer. <clears throat> and it's very, excuse me, it's very easy to focus on those folks who you know and you've seen repeat times and already have kind of an idea of what to expect. And we really wanna dial in on it could be anyone's first time out. Every trail party starts it out with a robust safety talk that includes not only your physical safety, but also your mental and emotional safety. Um, and then <clears throat> we go over the tools that we'll be using for the day, how to safely interact with them. And then that generally wraps up with a brief description of the kind of work that we'll be engaging in. There's a lot of different stuff you can do out on the trail and, and every day is gonna be different uh, in terms of the type of work we might be doing. Um, so we try to set that expectation of what sort of work you'll be doing both in our event description and there at the trailhead. Then we hike out to the um, work site and the distance can vary anywhere from 500 yards to three miles. Uh, once we get to the work site, the crew leader and assistant crew leader will go a little more in depth on the type of work. Um, we try to engage folks and identify what their experience level is so that we, the crew leader and assistant crew leader can ensure that they're receiving quality instructions so that they know what they're doing. They feel like they're being effective. They're doing the work well. Um, and that just is a lot of, you know, for the assistant crew leader and crew leader walking up and down the line and engaging with folks and talking about how we can adjust the work we're doing to achieve the best result, complimenting, always complimenting, you know, always thanking folks um, for, for coming out and spending any time at all with us. It's, um, we just try to really show that appreciation and make the whole thing welcoming so that even if you don't know what you're doing, by the time you've gone home, you've got 
a new understanding. And it was a positive experience to gain that understanding. Josh, I think the only like major point you forgot for TKO anyway is the chocolate break, which is very, very essential to a successful trail party at TKO for sure. Yeah, it's, um, you know, something that I like to try and really express is that we are an organization that engages in creating quality volunteer experiences. And the route we take to do that is doing trail work. So the focus is never on get the work done. The focus is create a quality volunteer experience that includes this stewardship work. And one of the ways we do that, as Jenny mentioned, is a mid-morning chocolate break just to make sure everyone's morale stays high. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, Oregon right now, the Pacific Northwest, we've had an incredibly hot summer and we're all very much welcoming the autumn right now. How has the heat and the subsequent you know, fires and wildfires affected trail maintenance and the trails and lands around them. Jenny, let's start with you. I actually think I might pitch that one to Josh because I'm so new to trail work that I, I can speak to maybe my personal experience of having a couple of really hot days out there today or the summer and, you know, getting home and being ready to sit in a cold bath. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe Josh can speak a little bit more to sort of what's different from past years that maybe haven't been quite as warm. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, we as an organization are our our dictates are we've got three main priorities and the first is safety and so that's the lens in which we view anything that we are going to be engaging in and when you have forecasted temperatures getting into the 100 degree range that makes it very difficult to engage in this stewardship work safely and so we make concessions we make adjustments if we have to cancel an event outright that's absolutely something that we will do to maintain the safety of our volunteers. I had a couple events this year that I had to cancel um, for heat, I had a couple events that I would move the start time earlier in the morning and make it a half day event so that we were done by the time noon rolled around and the heat was really setting in. Um, you, you just kind of have to look at stuff from that perspective of keeping your crew safe. On the actual trail work side of things, um, there are rules, the Forest Service, uh, the Oregon Department, uh, the Oregon ODF, Oregon Department of Forestry, have in place for heat and using um, powered tools like chainsaws in the wilderness. Well, and I, I shouldn't say wilderness because you cannot use chainsaws in designated wilderness. Uh, but So these rules, when you have an early hot season where things dry out very quickly your ability to use chainsaws gets dramatically reduced um which means you can't get as much work done because it's a lot faster to use a chainsaw than say a crosscut saw um so you you have those challenges to work with you also have in terms of actually working on the dirt itself the trail surface the tread when you have a prolonged dry period, it becomes very difficult to make conscientious, thoughtful adjustments to the tread itself. Um, when the moisture content of the soil drops below a certain threshold, it, when you put a tool to trail, it kind of turns into dust and powder, and it makes it really hard to 
shape the tread in a way that um, that you really need to be able to do. So there are definitely challenges that that the that the changing environment um, puts on us. I can add maybe just like a little bit around experience too that connects back to some of our earlier conversation, and that is a lot of the areas that I worked in this this year. Um, like within the gorge in particular are fire affected areas. And so you don't have that cover of mature trees because so many of them have burnt. And so there's also just the fact that with some of these, these changes that we're seeing and with, um, you know, the heat and the fires, there's just more exposure, which can certainly lead to some safety things that we need to be thinking about, um, around staying hydrated and sunscreen and all that, which is, is something as a assistant crew leader, crew leader, you know, we're, we're thinking about so that we're making sure folks stay safe. With that, what is one thing from each of you that if you could tell hikers, if you could do this one thing, it would make trail maintenance easier or just it would make the trail more beautiful. Just one, I, mean, I don't want to say a gripe, but just like you, just, you see this like, oh, hikers are always doing this. Backpackers are always doing this. And maybe not in those absolute terms. But if a hiker came to you, it's like, what is one thing I can do as a hiker to make your job easier? What would that be? Uh, outside of the obvious, Hey, come out and volunteer with us sometime. (laughs) Um, I think, I think the most visible difference that people could make is just ensuring they're adhering to leave no trace principles. You know, if you pack it in, pack it out, you know, your masks, your dog poop bags, your cliff bar wrappers, your broken trekking pole you know you just you find there's 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 some detritus that gets left behind if we are not being very conscientious and i think that it's very easy to have a large visual impact by really dialing into those leave no trace ethics that's probably what i would have said too but if i had to think of something else i might sort of say consider um, doing some research on hiking on some trails that maybe are less popular than the ones that, you know, everybody's hiking on. So trying to figure out how you can sort of spread out the the number of boots that are passing on a, a given trail. And, you know, if you're hiking on a less traffic trail, you're also kind of helping with trail maintenance there because part of what keeps the trail in shape is people using it. Um, so I think that would maybe be my suggestion. Yeah, I'd actually, I'll change my answer to Ginny's because that's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, they're, you know, particularly Ginny and I are both in the, the Portland metro area. It's the biggest metro area in the state. We are very close to a number of really great outdoor recreation opportunities that see an, a truly overwhelming amount of traffic and being able to spread that use across all of the recreation that we have available would be would do magnitudes of good um i i take it all back leave your trash laying around no problem just go hike somewhere that isn't popular <laughs> and just maybe like another plug there too for the oregonhikers.org website that has lots of great information about all kinds of different trails and for our neighbors to the north the wta also has great trip reports and great descriptions of trails for for washington state so there's lots of resources out there and a huge community of people who are putting updated trip reports all the time. So it's not incredibly difficult to find some other options that might be out the, outside those ones that, that are maybe the, the heavy hitters. And that's one thing I noticed um, 
when I went to up to Portland and Willamette Valley this summer, went to the Gorge, I was hiking, you know, I'm, I'm going out there hiking, how incredibly busy the trails are in that area. I mean, with college in Portland, so I, I, I knew that, but just like, oh my gosh, compared to, to Southern Oregon and Central Oregon um, and the Umpqua, Umpqua Valley areas and the Rogue Valley areas, it's just this constant flow. You're like, oh, I'm going to get there early right at sunrise. And there's already, you know, the, the trailhead parking lot's already full. You're like, oh my gosh. And there's so many other places in our state, in the state of Oregon, or wherever you're at. Um, find go go where you know a little a little less uh, the, the the path least taken sometimes, because um, those trails have beautiful things that to, to offer too. And um, always going to the ones like where the huge amounts of people can really put strain on a trail. Um, that's one thing I definitely yeah. noticed. And you know, I mean, there's a lot of folks that try to go out into the woods to get some solitude and some space. And when you're going to Eagle Creek trail being a very prime example, that trail is practically like a highway. There's just, you know, you get that proximity to that major metropolitan area full of people who really want to get outdoors. And it can be a struggle to find that solitude that I I know is a great part of what I'm after when I engage in outdoor recreation. I do want to add something else here too. And some of those popular trails are also maybe more accessible for some folks who maybe are newer to hiking, you know, exactly. some are more moderate. And so, you know, if, if folks who maybe already know the drill and, you know, have the knowledge and resources to go a place that's maybe a little bit more remote, um, I think it's, it's also kind of opening up for a more positive experience for people who might be newer to hiking. Um, and, and I guess maybe the second piece of that is if you are one of those people who has the skills and knowledge and resources to, to go to one of those trails that might be a little bit more off the beaten path is to maybe think about, is there someone in your network who's newer to hiking, who you can introduce, or you can help sort of upskill so that they feel more comfortable, um, in some of those other areas as well, and introduce them to this like broader set of ways to hike that maybe aren't just the 50 top hikes that you might find in a guidebook or something like that. So just kind of having that frame also of how are you making the trail a welcoming space for someone who might be newer um, to hiking and, you know, getting outdoors for the first time or, or something like that. Very cool. So let me ask each of you, why do you do it? Jenny, let's start with you. Why do you do this? Why do you do this trail maintenance? It's, it, it could be a little bit of a thankless job. Why do you go out there and, and work on these trails? I feel like there are lots of reasons, um, but one that kind of came to mind for me is, you know, I I work my day job during the week. I work at Columbia Sportswear Company. I'm in front of a computer a lot of the time, and sometimes my work doesn't feel super tangible. Um, and one thing that I do love about going out and doing trail work is, you know, you you do your trail work and then you turn around and you walk back over the trail that you just you just uh, you know fixed and and that just tangible. <laughs> product of, of the time that I just put in is something that's really, um, rewarding for me. And I guess maybe the other piece is the, the community and the connection, especially during COVID, you know, it was, it was pretty difficult to try to figure out, um, how to connect with people. So knowing that other people that I'm spending time with when I'm doing TKO volunteer work have this sense of shared value and and shared purpose around making these trails accessible for, for folks to use and, you know, to get that, the, the balm that comes from, you know, getting time outside uh, is so important to me that I want to make sure that other people have the ability to do that as well. What about you, Josh? Um, 
I would I would start by maybe challenging the idea that it's thankless. Um, one of the coolest things about doing this work is you get hikers thanking you constantly. Anytime you're working on an open trail where there is public interaction and those hikers come around the bend and they see a group of hardworking folks, tools in hand with hard hats, they get excited, they get interested, they thank us for our efforts. Sometimes they're volunteers that I've had on previous trail parties. And, uh, it's really fun to see them out appreciating, you know, these, the, the splendors available to us in this state. So it honestly, um, you, it, it can be very thankful, uh, which is delightful. I was in a line of work before I started volunteering and then subsequently seeking employment with trail keepers of Oregon. I was in a line of work that had zero appreciation whatsoever uh, and did not have a sense of community. I was not working with people who shared similar values, like Ginny was saying. Um, and when I started volunteering with Trail Keepers of Oregon, I discovered a community I didn't know I was missing and, and needing in my life. Um, it has been just an incredible improvement to my personal life to interact with the folks that come out and interact with our organization. Um, it was, I mean, it was such a changing experience that I set out on a journey to make it my job. Um, and I interned with TKO for a season and then I went and worked on a forest service trail crew for a season to, to hone my skills and came back after that season to, uh, to become a staff member with Trail Keepers of Oregon. It was that powerful of an experience for me. Awesome. So closing out here, um, I do want to plug Trail Keepers of Oregon because not only do we, uh, the number one listening state to the Hiker Podcast is Oregon. That's no coincidence. I live here and there's a lot of a lot of hikers and hiking, hiking in Oregon. But we have a lot of people who come to Oregon to hike, whether it's Pacific Crest Trail or the Oregon Desert Trail or the Oregon Coast Trail or, or they're going to Multnomah Falls, they're going to the Gorge, wherever. Um, so a lot of out-of-staters and even from out of the country come to Oregon to hike. I know even here in the Rogue Valley, uh, when I, I used to drive Uber, I had someone fly here. They, they flew here from Germany because they wanted to hike the Table Rocks in the Rogue Valley, which I thought was crazy because I live 10 minutes from those. But they saw these and they had to hike them. So people are That's coming amazing. here from all over the world to hike. Um, how can, if, if, say they can't get on a trail crew because they live in North Carolina along the AT, but they want to support the work of Trail Keepers of Oregon because perhaps maybe they hike the Oregon section of the PCT or the, the OCT. Um, you, have a, you have something coming up here. Um, I'd like to plug. What, what's going on to help raise money for you guys to make this sustainable? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, you know, we're funded through a number of different means. There's uh, grants, there is cost share agreements that we enter into with state parks, with forest service, with land managers. Um, but we also really depend on the folks who want to support us reaching out and being generous. Um, every year we have an end of year fundraising campaign called our Legacy Builders Campaign actually kicked off at the beginning of this week and goes all the way to the beginning of the year. Um, each week we highlight a different area that we have been engaging in stewardship in over the year. And each week we'll have a new opportunity 
to get uh, raffle prizes based on who our supporting business partner is. Um, so you can win really cool prizes by donating. Um, you know, there's uh, nonprofits. There's no, there's no amount that's too small. You know, every, any bit of help that folks can give us, we appreciate to the very core of our organization. You know, we've got a small staff of uh, eight people right now. Um, and, you know, the more funds we're able to raise, the more staff positions we're able to create, which means we're able to increase stewardship across the whole state, the more new areas that we can break into. Um, this week, our legacy campaign is highlighting our storm response activities in the central and south coast, specifically on Cape Arago. Um, you know, there was that windstorm uh, Labor Day last year really had a lot of consequence up and down the coast in the Cascade Mountains. Uh, there was a lot of blowdown, a lot of saw work to be done, and we're really actively engaging and supporting our land managers uh, in doing the saw work, in prepping the trail for outside agencies to come in and do more complicated saw work, in coming behind after the saw work has been done, and, and massaging the trail back into shape. Um, so there's plenty of opportunities for folks to interact on a donation level uh, every week until the end of the year, different prizes, different uh, business partners that we're working with. It's a, it's a really exciting campaign and an opportunity for folks who maybe aren't able to come out and volunteer their time to still be able to support us in the, the great stewardship that we're, that we're trying to do. I'll add just a little bit to that too. And that is, um, I mean, the legacy builders campaign is obviously super important to us as an organization, um, but we'll take your money year round. <laughs> so I know I, <laughs> after my first, after my first couple of, of volunteer shifts, I became a monthly donor and that's also a way to support. And I sort of think of it as like the way I'm supporting like a longer term sustainability for the organization. Cause they can predict that they're going to get my money every month. And so, you know, that's another great way to be engaged you can also, you know, do the, the legacy builders, because I know you want to get your name in for that like raffle prize, but I would encourage folks to also think just on a more long-term basis, how are you supporting either TKO or if you're outside of Oregon, certainly whatever your local trails organization is, is also a great place um, to do that support. And Hey, if you're visiting Oregon, we have our events on our webpage. So come out on a trail party with us as part of your event, you know, you'll or part of your vacation, you'll get a chance to see, what's up and, you know, especially if you do trail keeping elsewhere, sort of see what might look different about the the types of trails we work on. Awesome. You said a yeah. raffle. There's a raffle. Where, where do I, yep. where do I enter this raffle? Uh, everything you need to know for donations, raffles to check out our event calendar. Come join us out on the trail. Everything is at trailkeepersoforegon.org. And that, that splash page will get you right to our uh, Legacy Builder campaign. And then you can check out our event calendar and see what kind of cool stuff we're doing. Because we do work all year round. I'm actually going to be out in the gorge tomorrow leading a crew of excited volunteers in the rain to do some good, some good stewardship work. And if you're volunteering during the Legacy Builders campaign as well, I believe you get an entry into the, the raffle as well. So it's not it's with the donation or if you come out and volunteer with us as well. And Hopefully I'm not saying something wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that's the case as well. So still plenty of opportunities. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> Between now and the end of December, you know, come on out. 
Jenny and Josh, thank you so much for coming on the Hiker Podcast. And I hope that no matter where people are, whether they're in Oregon or on the East Coast or somewhere around the world, that this lights a fire under them. No pun intended. Maybe that's the wrong word to talk about trail, but lights, <laughs> get something under them to uh, maybe go out there and uh, contribute to maintaining and, and loving on these trails um, that they enjoy week in and week out. So thank you all so much for coming on. Thank you, Andy. Really appreciated the opportunity. Big thank you to Jenny and Josh for coming on the show. Make sure you check out all their stuff. Go to um, what was it? Trailkeepersoforegon.com, I believe. Let me let me let me double check on that the website there. It is trailkeepersoforegon.org. Trailkeepersoforegon.org. Go to trailkeepersoforegon.org for all of the fun stuff there. Um, yeah, it's 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 so important and have their, their legacy builders campaign right now if you can donate and help maintain the trails here in oregon if you're um just love oregon if you live in oregon if you hike in oregon that would be great so check them out trailkeepersoforegon.org also check out our sponsors i don't like going too much on about our sponsors because our regular listeners know all about them Go to the description of this episode or go to hikerpodcast.com. Read all about them. But Kanak Outdoors, legit company. I talk about their trekking poles all the time. They literally want that to be the last pair of trekking poles you buy because they're all about sustainability. And they want to make sure you're not putting waste in in in, in landfills and, and, and things like that. So, I, yeah, guys, go to hikerpodcast.com or the description of this episode to find out how you can get yourself some trekking poles or, you know, 10% off uh, all that wonderful stuff. It helps me out. It helps you out because you get quality trekking poles. Also CSS and coffee as you're out there, you're snowshoeing, you're skiing and you, you get your little stove with you. You want some coffee and it's cold, legit the best coffee. I, I kid you not. You, you take this coffee with you. And uh, of course it, it helps me out and uh, you get some amazing coffee. So, and also a big thank you to our Patreons. Uh, if you'd like to help out, um, go to hackerpodcast.com and of course you can um, click on the Patreon button there and help the show out um, I'm super excited for where the rest of the season is going to go got some pretty cool guests coming up and I just again want to thank you if you're not following me already uh, go to Instagram at Andy Films and Hikes and there you'll see I'm working with some uh, some other companies coming up here pretty soon and already have and i'm super excited about it been super excited how this podcast has allowed me afforded me the opportunity to work with columbia sportswear it's been really cool and uh some of you may be listening because you heard me through the grapevine there whatever whatnot but um it's been it's been really cool to to work with them and 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 to see so many amazing people who love the outdoors and love hiking in this have a camaraderie with with you all um through this so i just i I say all that i'm kind of blabbing on here just to say thank you all for again being cool to me and this show so guys make sure you go to hikerpodcast.com follow me at andy films and hikes if you want to know more about the music you're listening to right now um you know what you do there's a spotify playlist in the description of this episode all the music you hear on the show is there this particular song 
particular song is by a, a favorite musician of mine called named Tony Anderson. Um, you, it, it's the song is called After the Storm, and uh, I've loved Tony Anderson for years. The stuff he does, and uh, all this music is licensed through MusicBed.com. So check him out. And with that, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. Thank you.